have a problem with New Year's resolutions, not because they often fail or because they're too difficult, and not because I'm bad at them either. I mean, I've only been alive for four new years. No, I have a problem with resolutions because people think that that's it. It's for one time to change. Now, don't get me wrong, we definitely all need change. No idea how to ride a bicycle, and my little brother has no idea what a toilet is for. And some of you, yeah, you probably should get out of the house more, but one big decision probably isn't going to do it. Sorry. So now what? Flush your resolutions down the toilet for one my little brother can't use? Of course not. Keep your resolutions but go easy on yourself. Will you change? Maybe, but probably won't happen in one big moment. It'll happen in thousands of little moments. Every time you choose to forgive or slow down or be grateful or stay calm each little moment that you choose what's right instead of what's easy. Faith instead of doubt. Love instead of hate. That's where the change happens. Even if you fail one or two or thirty times, it's okay. You've got thousands of more little moments ahead of you. You'll get better. So happy new year, God bless, and I'm off to ask my dad to get a bike, if they or a pony. Bye. All right. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy new year. And welcome back. Seems like it's been forever since we've been here on a Sunday. And I tell you, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks this. I could be the only one. And if I am, just kind of endure me because I'm up here. I get so excited to come to church when I haven't been in church in a while. And, and it's not because I'm up here speaking. And it's not because, you know, I'm the guy on the stage or anything like that. But I just miss this. I feel like this is where we belong. This is home. It's like when you have to, when you have to travel and you spend a few nights away from your house, just coming back home. I feel like this is coming back home. And I realize the week of after Christmas and snow and ice and a lot of people. But I tell you what, if there was two people in church today, I would have been here today. Okay? Because I miss you guys very much. And I just miss this. This is where we belong, okay? So I'm glad that you're here today. Before I get to today's message, as Katie mentioned up here, next week is Friends and Family Day. And Friends and Family Day is always an exciting day, but this time is especially exciting because we're starting a new series. It'll be a five-week series called I Thought It Was Just Me. All right, and the premise of that series, the whole purpose of the series is to talk about a subject which we don't like to talk about, we don't like to hear about, we don't even like to think about, but it's something that we all deal with, which is insecurity. And what I realize, because I get to talk to people behind the scenes in the office with the door closed when they don't think anyone, when they know no one's going to find out about it, what I discovered is we all struggle with insecurity. And that insecurity takes different forms. All right, we're going to talk about how sometimes that insecurity manifests itself in a need to control for the control freaks, feeling of inadequacy, comparison, people-pleasing, overly sensitive and easily offended. We're going to talk about how all those things, at the root of them all, is some type of insecurity about who I am and how I do or do not measure up to whatever standard I'm using inside my head. I am praying okay, that this series will be a real eye-opener because what I've discovered, ladies and gentlemen, that's why this series is called I Thought It Was Just Me, is you think it was just, you think it's just you, but what I want you to know is that your insecurity is not as uncommon as you think. Okay, and God's word speaks directly 
to us in our insecurities, and many people have gone before us, have walked. So we're going to see how God's word will speak to us so that we can reach the place that God wants us to reach in this coming year, but really in life. Because I'm convinced that those insecurities that we struggle with and that we live with, and that we even, like, there's someone so close to us, they feel like a pet that we live with, all right? That those things will ultimately keep you from achieving the good things that God wants for you. So that's next Sunday. I thought it was just me. Invite a friend. Don't just come, but invite a friend. Because as the video said in the earlier video, you don't know whose New Year resolution was to go to church this year. You don't know whose New Year's resolution it was. And I guarantee you, there's people all over America in your office and your neighborhood who said, this year, this is the year I'm going to get back in church. So you take advantage of that and you go invite them to church this coming Sunday. But that's next week. For today. Confession. I have a Confession. And my confession is going to annoy some of you because I know some of you are the exact opposite of me in this area, okay? And, and what a Scrooge is to Christmas, some of you are towards New Year's. And towards New Year's resolutions, my confession is this. I love New Year's. I love New Year's. I love New Year's. I love taking a step back, taking inventory on my life. I know people say we don't make resolutions with all this stuff. Uh, that's the bah humbugs of the New Year's, okay? I love taking a step back. I love taking inventory of my life, where I've gone, and I like to see where I'm going. I love to set goals. I love to come up with plans to implement those goals. I love, I love, I love to come up with spreadsheets to measure my progress on those goals. And I love, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love the most the checkbox thing where I can check off the progress I'm making on my goals. I love New Year's, and I love this time of year. And the reason why I love it is not just because I'm a neurotic person. <laughs> But because one time I heard someone say the following sentence and it is stuck in my head because it is the most true sentence ever said. It says, everyone ends up somewhere, but not everyone ends up somewhere on purpose. That sentence is in my head all the time. And I realize that that sentence is true about just about every area of life. Everyone ends up somewhere, but not everyone ends up somewhere on purpose. What that means is you have aspirations in life. You may not call them resolutions. Okay, you may not call them goals. But you have something that you want to achieve in life. You say, I want my marriage to be stronger. I want to get closer to God. I want to advance my career. I want to get in shape. I want to not have to take a halftime break when I'm going up the stairs to the bedroom. Whatever your aspirations may be, what I say to you, you can get there. Because everyone ends up somewhere. But I don't think you can get there by accident. I don't think that you can just randomly show up at the end of your life and discover that you hit all these major goals that you wanted to achieve. It's like getting in a car. You can get in a car today and you go anywhere you want. You go anywhere you want. You can go to a beach. You can go to a mountain. You can go to a river. You can go to a lake. You can go north to Canada. You can go south to Mexico. You can go anywhere that you want. But I don't think you'll get there by accident. The likelihood of you getting your car and you just start driving wherever it is and you end up exactly in Tijuana is very slim. And I believe that that is a good metaphor for all of life, is that everyone ends up somewhere, but not everyone ends up somewhere on purpose. And what we want to talk about here today, I want to share, because it's something I'm passionate about, how we can end up somewhere on purpose, how we can be purpose people, not just by accident people. Imagine that a new bank opens up in town, and this new bank has a, uh, uh, a gimmick of how they're going to get customers. And the new bank says the following. It's that every Monday morning, they're giving away free money. Every Monday morning, to anyone who has an account here, every Monday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, they will give away 
$10,000 to anyone who shows up at 6 o'clock in the morning. $10,000 every Monday morning. And you can use that money however you want. No rules. No rules. You can use that, throw a party, take a vacation, uh, pay off your debt, put a down payment on a house, buy a present for your favorite priest. Like You can use that money however it is that you want. There's only one rule. And the rule is that you have to spend it all by the following Monday. So whatever you don't spend by Monday morning disappears. They vanish. They take it back. And every Monday you can get another $10,000, but you can't have any leftover. You can't save it up. What would you do if that, bank kind of, if that kind of bank opened next door? What would you do? Would anyone say, ah, it's too much effort. Spend all that money every day. Ah, it's too much effort. I don't want to have to think of ways to spend the money. This kind of a bank, if it really did exist, could change your life forever. You would never be in debt for the rest of your life. You can, you can pay off your student loans. You can put down pay. You can do anything you want. This kind of a bank, only a fool would let an opportunity like this, only a fool, only a fool would go and take the $10,000, put it in his pocket, and then show up next Monday, and he's got it all in his pocket again. He didn't spend any of it, and he has to give it all back. Would you agree? Only a fool would squander an opportunity like this. Agree? Well, did you know that every week, God gives you 10,000 minutes? Every week. 10,080 to be exact, but let's, we'll give him the 80 minutes as tithing or something. Every week, God gives you 10,080 minutes. Seven days, 24 hours a day, 60, hours, 60 minutes in an hour. And those 10,000 minutes are the currency by which you can change your life forever. Those 10,000 minutes. And what you do with those 10,000 minutes are the currency by which you can buy a whole new life, a whole new career, new relationship. And the beautiful thing, like the bank, you can do whatever you want with those minutes. You can just do whatever you want. You can use those minutes to build your career. You can use those minutes to invest in your family. You can use those minutes to read the Bible. Use the minutes to take a bike ride. You can use those minutes to sleep as long as your heart desires. You can do whatever you want with those 10,000 minutes. But at the end of the week, all those minutes are gone, and you can never have them back again afterwards. I believe that we all have many aspirations in life, and that's fantastic. But ultimately, your success in life will be based on your ability to translate your aspirations your goals, your res call whatever you want, okay? I know some people, I don't like to say New Year's resolutions. Okay, but you have goals that you're trying to achieve, all right? Call whatever you want. Your success in life is going to be to be able to translate those goals into these minutes and to use these minutes to achieve these goals. And I'm telling you, some people, some people are going to use that 10,000 minutes to change the world. The world will never be the same based on how you use those minutes. Some people use those minutes to cure cancer. Some people use those minutes to say, you know what? This is the year I'm going to read the Bible in an entire year. You're going to use your 10,000 minutes to read the entire Bible to cover to cover. Some people are going to use those minutes to invest in the relationships which are closest to them, which are here today, but you never know, may be gone tomorrow. You choose how you want to spend those minutes, but I tell you that your life and the world will never be the same based on how you use them. St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, but we can say live circumspectly as well, because walk is another way of saying live. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. What does it mean to walk circumspectly? It means to walk carefully, to walk cautiously, to walk intentionally. Some we don't walk through, it's like what he's giving the impression of, you're walking through a minefield, okay? And we don't just scamper through a minefield, all right, we walk intentionally because we realize that the days are evil. You know what it means that the days are evil? 
means that time is not on your side in this, in this life. Time is not on your side. Time is not helping you. Time, I know this is not physically true. It's, it's impossible to say this, but doesn't it seem like time goes faster today than it did when we were kids? Doesn't it seem it? Like, I know it's not true. I know 24 hours is 24 hours. And I know a year is a year. But come on, man. I'll show, you, I'll show you how quick time is. I remember Y2K. Does anyone remember Y2K? Okay, the year 2000. You know why I say Y2K? Because that was my first job out of college. I was a consultant, and I was on a Y2K project. For those of you who don't know, you youngsters were born in Y2K, whatever that is. All right? You don't realize that in the 1990s, we thought the world was going to explode when we hit 2000. We really thought that, okay? We thought that because all of the computer programs, okay, back then we didn't have like cell phones or anything like that as much as we just had computers. And all the computers and the date thing was two characters. So you would say 98, 99. But then what happened? And it always meant 19, 98, 99. But what happens when we get to 2000? Then it's going to be 2000 versus 19. And we thought the world was going to explode. People were taking the money out of banks, hiding it under the mattress, like getting canned goods. Like we thought the world's going to expl- explode and banks would just have money shooting right out the top of it, okay? All the people's money was going to shoot right at the top. I remember that like it was yesterday. I could tell you the name of the people that I worked with on the project who sat in a cubicle next door that I haven't seen since then. That was just a blink of the eye. Another important year, one that we can all remember, 2012. When we were kids, do you remember the movie 2012? Okay, there was a movie, I didn't actually watch it, but I remember the premise of it. And the premise of the movie was that in 2012, everything explodes. Okay, because the earth cannot sustain itself and the earth will explode in 2012. So this was all about some kind of, you know, where people start to prepare. And again, the aliens are going to come because there's no way that the earth could survive until 2012. That's what we thought back in the 80s and 90s. Well, here we are. Okay, I got one for all of you. Back to the future, 2015. We looked at 2015 like the Jetsons. We, maybe you don't even know what the Jetsons are, okay? We looked at 2015. If you remember in the movie, that was the movie that made in the 80s. We thought we'd have flying cars in 2015. That's two years ago. We thought we'd have flying cars, and we thought that we'd be all on hoverboards and that our, our jacket, we thought everything would be different. Here we are. And 2012 came and went. And 2015 came and went. And I'm telling you that you're going to blink And 2017 is going to be gone as well. I don't want, at the end of 2017, to look back on the year and say, where'd it go? Because at the beginning of the year, I'm saying, this is the year. This is the year that I finally, and then you fill in the blank. This is the year that I finally get in shape. This is the year that I finally invest in those relationships that are closest to me. This is the year that finally work to God won. This is the year finally I get it right. This is the year finally. And I don't look back at the end of 2017 and say, where'd the year go? Because everyone ends up somewhere in life, but not everyone ends up somewhere on purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere in life. You are going to end up somewhere in 2017. You're going to end up somewhere, dead or alive. You're going to be somewhere. Because we are eternal beings, and either you're going to be here or you're going to be somewhere else. You're going to be somewhere. The question is, are you going to take control of where you end up, or are you just going to let the wind push you wherever it may? What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what I believe are three turning points in order to make the most of 2017 and the rest of your life. And when I say turning points, I'm not going to talk about anything to do as much as I'm talking about mental mindset turning points, three ways that we're going to approach this year. Because we need to take those minutes that God gives us every single day, and we need to take those minutes, and we need to use those minutes to get somewhere on purpose. And just in case you're wondering how much of 2017 has gone by, we're about 11,000 minutes in. 
Okay, but the good news is we still have 515,620 minutes left, give or take a couple hundred minutes. So that's how many minutes you got left to make the most of this coming year. Three turning points to be able, and this applies to everything. You say, relationally, this is where I want to be. Then these are three turning points you need to make. Intellectually, like my career, my mind, like I want to get in shape, whatever it may be. I want to finally, this is the year that I get in, in, in shape spiritually, wherever it is you want to be in 2017. Three turning points that we all need to do together in order to make the most of it and end up somewhere on purpose. Turning point number one, turn when into now. Turn when into now. I'm a big believer in the words that you say impact the way you think and the way you live. I'm a big believer in that. So we're going to change the way we speak, but more importantly, the way we think, but it's going to translate to the way we speak. We're going to remove the following sentence from our vocabulary. When blank happens, then I will blank. We're going to remove that. We're not going to say when this happens because we can live the rest of our year, the rest of our life saying when this, when it's not a busy season at work. When I finally uh, get married, when I finally have kids, when the kids finally leave the house, when this, 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 this season of life, we can live our whole life. And I'll tell you, when can never, can come, you can live your whole life and when never comes. I know this from experience because me and Marianne, we used to always say, oh, it's just a busy season now. It's just a busy season. That's what we used to say. We said that for the first like nine, ten years of marriage. Oh, it's just a busy season now. And we'd say, okay, you know what? It's just the season of the church. It's just a busy season. And that's why we didn't, you know, that's why we haven't gone out on a date in months. It's just a busy season. And that season finishes a new season. Well, it's just, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's Easter is just a busy time. Lent is a busy time. Okay, then Easter. Easter is just a busy time. Okay, summer. Summer is just busy. You know, everything happens in summer. And then summer finishes. Oh, you know, when summer, everyone comes back. It's just a busy. And we realize that there's no such thing as a busy season. It's life is busy. And life gets more and more busy. So I said, you know what? I'm going to stop saying when I'm not busy. And I'm going to say, you know what? Now. If I need to go out on a date my, with my wife when I'm not busy, I need to go on a date with my wife now. And some of us, need to change the way we speak and stop saying when and start saying now. There's a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 4 that explains this picture that you're looking at right here. Look at that picture and then read this verse. He who observes the wind will not sow and he who regards the clouds will not reap. You may not understand this because we're not an agricultural society, but what this verse is saying is the man who goes outside and saying, I got to plant some seeds in the ground to live off of. That's how farmers live. And he would come outside and say, you know what? It's a little windy today. I'll come back tomorrow because you don't want to plant when there's wind because the wind will scatter. So you come back the next day and say, you know what? Hmm, there's a cloud in the northeast corner I'm not comfortable with. Okay, I'll come back the next day. He who comes out every day waiting for the perfect conditions for there to be no clouds, no wind, is the one whose farm looks like this guy. <laughs> he who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. May I ask you a question? Is that you? Are you the one who's waiting for everything to line up perfectly to get your life in order? I'm telling you, life will never get itself perfect. And when will never come. You need to turn when into now. Specifically, let me, let me with each of these turning points, I'm going to give you some advice from my experience. Okay, just things that I see in my own life and, 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 and lives of people that I, that I see in front of me. The when now thinking. Okay, me personally, y'all know me. I tend to be more, there's two kinds of people. There's task-oriented people and relationship-oriented people. Okay? I tend to be, by my nature, more task-oriented. But I have discovered 
that being rich in life is about relationships, not about tasks. So I can accomplish everything on my to-do list, and for years is the way I lived, and to-do, and to-do, and to-do, and to-do, and to-do, okay? And then you know what? Next day, to-do is even longer. And you could spend your whole life trying to chase down accomplishments and degrees and career, and you could spend your whole life on accomplishments and never get anywhere other than a feeling of emptiness and loneliness. Relationships are what make us rich. And that was last year we talked about realizing rich. Relationships are what make us rich. Specifically, not quantity of relationships, but quality of relationships, depth. And that's why for those of you who are New Year's, that's what we as a church family are focusing on this coming year is going deeper. Not broader, because we all have way too many friends to keep up with, but it's a matter of going deeper and being more intentional in those relationships. That's what ultimately makes us rich. Well, if you struggle with that by nature, let me give you some advice that worked for me. Okay, this is kind of how I think, and it's made a big difference in my life, and hopefully it'll help you. It's very simple. My advice to you is be all there. Be all there. Be all there. Where? Wherever you are. Wherever you are, at any moment in the day, at any moment in time, you're with friends, be all there with your friends. You're with family, be all there with family. You're at work, be all there with work. Like, I'm not saying do this or this or this, or I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is when I'm at work, I'm focused on work and I'm doing the best that I can at work. And then when I leave work and I'm with my family, that's it. I'm all there. I'm with my family. I'm not half in and half out. And then when I'm with my friends, that's it. I'm all there. I'm not thinking while I'm with my friends, oh, so-and-so texted a picture of what they ate for breakfast yesterday. Oh, put a comment. No, be all there. Don't, don't, don't be in an Instagram world. Don't be in Facebook world. Be all there. Be all there with your children. Be all there with your wife. Be all there with your husband. Be all there with God. When you come to church on Sunday morning, be all there. Don't be here thinking there. There will have a time. Like there was another verse from Ecclesiastes. They made a song out of this. For every season, okay, for everything under the earth, there is a season, right? Beatles made a song for that, right? Every turn, 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 okay? There's a time for work. And there's a time for play. And there's a time for family. And there's a time for a spiritual life. There's a time to exercise. And there's a time to read. Like there's a time for everything. Whatever season, whatever activity you're doing, be all there. Let me tell you a specific secret right here. Okay. And especially the husbands in the room might appreciate this. All right. So I'm going to ask the ladies to not listen to what I'm about to say. Let me give you an advice that worked for me. Not that worked for me in like a sneaky way, but it made a difference for me. It sounds so, like all the ladies, I'm going to say this, and you're going to be like, of course. And all the guys are going to be like writing it down. Okay. When it comes to relationships, when it comes to relationships, guys, listen with me. Follow with me here. It applies in everything. Relationship with God, relationship with family, relationship with everything. Quality is more important than quantity. Specifically, this is the one, is the guys write this one. One quality hour is greater than five non-quality hours. Am I right, ladies? What that says is, I say in my mind, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time to, to, to take my wife here and to date with my kids and to spend his time with God. I don't have time for all this stuff. Look, again, ladies, don't listen to this. Guys, it doesn't take a lot of time. It takes quality time, but it doesn't take a lot of quantity. And one quality hour with loved ones is greater than five hours and we ate and then we watched TV and then we talked about nonsense and then we, uh, 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 whatever we did, uh, walked around. Like, th that's great. You could spend five hours with family and friends and have zero 
quality. And I'll be honest with me, I got a lot on my plate. I personally don't have necessarily that time. So I'm, I'm focused on quality. And I'm going to say, you know what? This is another one that bugs me. I'm talking about friendships and going deeper with friendships. You can spend four hours, five hours, six hours. You can spend an entire Friday night with someone. TV in the background, music over here, all kinds of distraction all around. You can spend six hours, and at the end of that, you feel empty. With me as a priest, because people respect my time and appreciate my time, we cut all that stuff out. We sit together, we go face-to-face, we're there for 20 minutes, and we go deep in 20 minutes. And in that 20 minutes, I got closer to that person than you got in six hours with that same person on Friday night. Because it's not about quantity. It's about quality. Be all there. You're with your friend, be with your friend. You're with your kids, be with your kids. Be all there, be focused. One of the things people complain about me, like a public confession right here, and I'm sure many people are going to, like I've probably offended people with this. I stink, two things that I stink at. Answering the phone and responding to text messages. Like if I asked you to raise your hand, I will not ask you to raise your hands because it's going to make me feel bad about how many people have ever texted me and not gotten a response in an, a normal amount of time or waited forever and say, oh, you, you know why? Okay, I, I, I'm not the best at it, okay? I'm not, I'm not the best. I'm very good at email. You want me to get me an email. But texting and phone, I'm not good. You know why? Because when I'm with you, I'm with you, okay? And I used to sit with you and then this, how do you feel? And I'm like, oh, <gasps> go ahead, continue. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you know what, oftentimes, this right here, and I just, I don't even, I just push the off button. And, and if I remember, when I get home to see who it was that texted me, lucky you, okay, but oftentimes, it just sits there, goes in the pile, so you know what, I don't remember it. That's why I'm good with email, because email I make time for. So there's a time where I'm all email right there, boop, 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 respond. That's my little plug to say, don't text me, email me if you need anything from me, okay? You're welcome to text me, you're welcome to call me, but don't expect necessarily response. But you would appreciate that when you're the guy in front of me, is my point. You say, oh, I wish Father Anthony would pick up his phone. But you wouldn't say that if you were the guy in front of Father Anthony. You'd appreciate that. And my kids appreciate that. And my wife appreciates that. And God appreciates that when I'm with God. And, and, people, and, and, and the church appreciates that when I'm in front of the liturgy right here. And everyone appreciates it when they're in front of you. Be all there. Make a commitment 2017. Be all there. It's not as hard as you think it may be. St. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Whatever you do, do it heartily, ask of the Lord, not to men. Whatever you do. You're working, work your hardest. And you finish work, and finish work. You're with family, you're with prayer, whatever it may be. Do what you can to be all there. Because all there, the minutes are going to disappear at the end of this week. So be all there when you have them. Number one, turn when into now. Number two, turn intentions into actions. Turn intentions into actions. If I asked you, Again, you may not say it as resolutions, but you have something in life that you're aspiring towards. You have something that you are driving that you want. You want to exercise more. You want to read the Bible. You want to go to church. You want this to be the year that you get your finances, start tithing, okay, in order. You want something. Everyone think in mind right now of something they want to accomplish in 2017. Everyone put in your mind right now, not just something you want to accomplish, not something silly, something you know God wants you to accomplish. That God wants you to do. He wants you to spend more time with your family. He wants you to be committed to coming to church on Sunday. He wants you to read the Bible. He wants you to whatever. What does God want you to accomplish? Everyone got something in mind? Everyone got something in mind that God wants you to accomplish? Watch this. Therefore, to him or her, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That applies to you. You know that God wants you to start a business. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
You know that God wants you to apologize. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You know that God wants you to adopt a child or to put your own child up for adoption instead of worse option. No, not, not if you have your child, not like that. Meaning like pregnant, okay? Or whatever, okay? <laughs> I don't know your children as well as you do. Maybe like their, their time is, whatever, okay? <laughs> we can take a survey of which ones to put up for adoption if you'd like, okay? You know God wants you to do that to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. You know God wants you to go deeper. You know God wants you to honor your parents. You know God wants you to care for your neighbor. You know God wants to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And you know why this is especially important? This is especially important that you turn intention to action today. Today, today, because we're turning when to now. You know why today? Because there's this principle that I fully believe in. I believe in it so much. It's called the law of diminishing intention. Have you heard of this before? It means that when I really, really, really want to do something today and I don't do it, the next day my intention or my motivation goes down just a little bit. And every day that goes by that I don't take action, I'm less likely to do it. Agree or not agree. That's why, let me tell you a trick that I do. Again, I'm a checkbox. I'm a spreadsheet kind of a guy. When I set my New Year's goals, the most, anyone can set goals. Lose weight. Yeah, go to church. Yeah, be, anyone can set goals. Anyone, that's not hard. The hard part is translated to action. One of the things that I do is the end of the process. For me, it's a process of setting my goals. The end process, the last step, is coming up with one or two action steps that I can take immediately on a goal. Immediately. I'm not accomplished, but I can take an action step immediately. I need the ball to start rolling down the hill. You know the principle of inertia, the law of inertia. Okay, an object in motion stays in motion. Object at rest stays at rest. I need to create some motion to get me going in the right direction. For example, one of my goals this year, okay, I always come up with goals in different categories. Okay, so the fun one, like, it was, is always for me, is like the physical category. Like what I'm going to do to, I know, I, even me, I need to, yeah. It's more maintenance, okay, when you're at my face, okay, than there's anything else. So one of my goals, don't laugh, because some of you are going to laugh, and you're strong, and you're great, and I'm a weak, and I'm puny, that's fine. My goal is to do 10 pull-ups by the end of the year. And you say, any idiot can do that. Well, I'm an idiot who cannot do that, okay? And I've never in the history of my life, some people ask me, how many can you do right now? I say zero. Okay, how many could you do here? I've never done a pull-up in my life, okay? But I was sitting with someone, a friend of mine, and he was, he's trying to be a Marine, okay? So he said that he's got to, in order to do this, do 20 pull-ups and pass this test. So I said, yeah, I'm stronger than this guy. I can do 20 pull-ups. So I got me the pull-up bar, and I tried, and I, I couldn't even hang for 20 seconds, okay? So I, I cut it down to 10. And I don't know how to do any pull-ups. But if I'm not going to say my goal is by 2017 to do pull-ups, that's not going to work. You know what I do? I'll show you how I break it down. First thing I got to do is I got to buy a pull-up bar. You'd say that's easy. No, that's actually not step one. There's a step before that. I got to research which pull-up bar to buy. And you say, okay, that's easy. No. You know what my first action step was? To schedule time to research a pull-up bar to buy. So by the time the bar arrived at my house, which was like yesterday or the day before, I have already accomplished four steps on my action plan. I, you say that's silly? I feel good. I feel like I'm on track. I haven't, I haven't done a thing, but I'm on track. I set a time. I fulfilled that time research. I bought it. I received it. I assembled it like I'm halfway there. If you ask me, I'm rolling right here. Another one of my goals was like a, a personal, like a quiet time goal, like a spiritual spend time with God goal. My first thing is that I did buy a new journal. You may say like, what's the big deal about buy? Like I have a hundred. No, but when I go and spend $2.99, okay, on a new journal, 
I am now financially invested in this goal. Okay, and I will not, <laughs> you know what I mean? So what I'm saying to you is, Turn your intention into an action, even a small action, even a dumb action, but just something that you can check off and say the ball is rolling down the hill because an object in motion stays in motion and an object at rest stays at rest. If you don't take action, God gives you a goal and you do nothing about it. What will happen? Parents, you ask your children to do something and they don't do it. What do you do? Say, oh, well. It's a good try. What does God do when we ignore what he tells us to do and we do nothing about it? I think that if God is like a parent, and he, we know he's like a parent, then God reminds us of those goals. But here's the thing about God's reminder. They're not as gentle as my reminder to you right now. Every morning, my role in the house, I'm the wake-up guy. Okay? I like to wake everyone up. This is my funnest part of my day, to wake everyone up. So what happens is, First thing I do, I turn on all the lights. All right, this is how we start, okay? I walk in rooms, I turn on lights, open the blinds, bring as much light as possible. Okay, still not up, okay? Then it'll be a wake up. Usually it's my daughter who struggles to wake up, not my son as much. Say, wake up, Lizzie. Mm. Wake up, sweetheart. Rise and shine, it's a beautiful day. This is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> And oftentimes, no ignore. So then I gently start to peel the covers off one at a time, okay? She continues, what am I going to do if it's time to wake up and she hasn't woke up? Well, eventually she gets to the end, which is what we call the pancake, okay? Which is basically I get a running start and I... <laughs> and I pancake her, okay? And that's ultimately how she gets up most mornings, okay? That I run, you know what I mean? And I pancake her, and she loves it, okay? She loves it because she's like a cuddly and stuff, whatever it may be. Well, here's my advice to you, ladies and gentlemen. Don't wait for God to pancake you. <laughs> don't wait for God to pancake you. Because as warm and fuzzy as it sounds, it's not that gentle when God does it. Don't wait for God's reminder. You know what God wants you to do. He will remind you. Don't wait for his reminder, because all joking aside, God's reminders sometimes are difficult. Don't wait for a heart attack to know you need to get in shape and get your food and eating in order. Don't wait for serious back problems to know you need to lose some weight. Don't wait to be all by yourself in the middle of that crisis to realize, you know what? I never invested in relationships my whole life. Don't wait. Don't wait for her to walk out the house and throw your stuff on the front lawn to realize you are not doing your job as a husband. Don't wait for the reminder because I'm telling you it's coming. You know, <clears throat> as a priest, and I'm not an emotional, compassionate, by nature kind of a guy, but one of the things that breaks my heart is exactly this. Nothing breaks my heart more than to see someone with God's reminder in front of them and saying, I don't know why I didn't pay attention earlier. You know what God's reminder? A terminal illness. An illness. And say, you know what? Why did I live my whole life and care so much about work? It took this for me to realize that work was not the purpose of my existence. It breaks my heart. As a priest, like I said, so many times, my wife and my kids, they, they got used to this by now, is that sometimes I come home in a different mood. Let's say I come home and I just 
give my wife a big hug or go give my kids a big hug. And I say, you know, forget about whatever. And, and they've come to realize that usually nine out of 10 times when that happened, I just came from somewhere. Okay, where I saw a marriage, it's in a bad shape. And I say, you know what? I'm thankful for my wife. Even if we're not perfect together, you know what? I'm thankful for my wife. We are perfect together too. I'm thankful for my kids. Because even though, yeah, they're not perfect, but you know what? So I get the benefit of this experience to see those regrets in so many people. Unfortunately, it's not a good thing, but I can take it in a good way. Don't wait for God's reminder for you. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is, in your, when it is the power of your hand to do so. Number one, ladies and gentlemen, our turning point number one is we are going to turn when into now. Say it again. We are going to turn when into we're going to turn intentions into actions. And number three, and please don't skip over this one too quickly. Number three, I will turn my whole heart to Jesus in 2017. Now I know, I say this and most of you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast forward this one. I'm in church. I'm in church when it's like four degrees outside. So this is me. Fast forward this one, get to the end. And that's it. Please, for my sake, just humor me. Just humor me. Don't fast forward this one. And let's think about and make sure that this is us before we assume it's us. Let's say, imagine, okay, I'll tell the story from a man's perspective, but you can, from a woman's perspective, equally as well. Guys, you meet the woman of your dreams. Woman of your dreams. Most beautiful woman in the whole wide world. She's got beauty. She's got brains. She's got personality, like she's got everything. You see her and you say, this is the girl that I've been dreaming about my whole life. Now, if I could draw a picture of what this girl would look like, you know, just for the sake of, of, of you know, our discussion right here, I would say she probably looks something like this, okay? Like the, the most perfect, you know what I mean, right there, okay? And you meet this perfect, perfect, perfect person. And you marry this person. And you have the best honeymoon in the whole wide world. And y'all are in love and y'all like uh, uh, little secret text notes and I love you and sweetie and pumpkins and whatever it may be. And you guys have the best, best, best marriage in the whole wide world. But then the honeymoon ends. And when the honeymoon ends, you come back home and things are different when you come back home. Now all of a sudden, okay, you are busy at work. Okay, and you have a lot going on. So you may go a day without even talking to you, your wife. You still love her. And anyone asks you, you say, yeah, she's my wife and I love her, but you may not talk to her a day, every single day. And you may, um, you know, y'all sleep in the same house, okay, in the same room, but you know what? You know, she gets up early and makes you breakfast and you may be in such a rush that you just get up and walk out without even eating her breakfast. Okay, and she made it and you just walked out. And then she may uh, send you text messages throughout the day and say, I love you, or messages or whatever, and you ignore all those because you're busy at work. Like, life is busy. But when you come home, you try to get caught up real quick. Okay, and you say, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then you fight because you say you tell long stories. Okay, give it to me bullet points, all right? And you, you know what I mean? Because life is busy. And, and, and if anyone says anything, you say, yeah, I'm happily married. Yeah, like I love my wife and I would never cheat on my wife. You never cheat on your wife. You never cheat on your wife. You wear your ring. You tell people that you're married. But you just, you know, don't invest as much time as maybe you used to. Sometimes she may cook dinner. 
or she does cook dinner every day, and sometimes you're in such a rush when you come home and you're so tired, you may sit down at the table, eat your food without even saying thank you to the one who cooked it for you. All she asks, like the bare minimum that she asks, the bare, 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 bare minimum she asks is that you to show up for a date just one hour a week, or sorry, one time a week, two-hour date once a week, and even that you end up coming late and missing half of. What would you say to this young man who married this beautiful, amazing woman? What would you say to this young man? You'd say, man, was your goal to get married or your goal to live together for the rest of your life? You'd say, you thought, man, that the goal was just to get the girl, to marry the girl, and put her on the shelf. But that wasn't the goal. That was just the beginning. The goal was to live together for the rest of your life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. A lot of us, all of us, every Christian, yeah, we're Christian. Love Jesus? Of course I love Jesus. You married him for all, yeah, eternity. I'm married and I wear the sign everywhere going, anyone who asks me, I tell them, I married Jesus. What kind of marriage is it? We only visit each other twice a year on holidays, Christmas and Easter. What kind of marriage is it where we don't talk to each other in the morning before we go to work? What kind of marriage is it when we ignore each other's phone calls and texts throughout the day? What kind of marriage is it we go to bed at night without saying I love you? What kind of marriage is that? If we're honest, that's the marriage a lot of us have. And that's why in 2017, we're going to turn when to now, we're going to turn intentions to action, but we are going to make the most of this year by turning my whole heart to Jesus. Not half, not three quarters, my whole heart. <clears throat> There's a story which captures this point um, very nicely in the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 12. In that passage, Jesus is preaching to a group of people and some scribes came to him. Scribes were kind of like the... Like the, like the bad guys, okay, scribes and Pharisees. They were like the, like the Klingons of the New Testament, okay? Like they're like the wicked guys, okay? And they're just myriads, myriads and faceless and they just come and, and one scribe comes to Jesus and he asks him, what's the greatest commandment ever? What's the greatest commandment? Like there's so many commandments, distill it down for us, dumb it down into like one or two. And Jesus says, greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. And the scribe responded to that with the following verse, Mark chapter 12, verse 32. After Jesus said the great commandment, the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth for there is one God and there is no other but him. On the surface, it seems like he responded positively. He said, well said. He agreed with what Jesus said. But if you dig a little bit deeper, there's a coldness in this scribe's response to him. There's a bit of, yeah, I agree, but I'm not 100% sold on you. There's a bit of, I'm the teacher, and I'm kind of quizzing you, the student. And that's captured 
when the man calls him teacher. Say to Christ, teacher, it seems like a nice thing, but what the man is really saying when he calls him teacher, he's saying, okay, well done. You know what it's like? It's like you're married to a doctor, okay, and then he comes home and you say, good afternoon, doctor. You're like, yeah, he's a doctor, but he's not just a doctor. He's hubby, okay, or she's wifey. You don't say, you know, good evening, doctor. Like, there's a, that's kind of what the guy did. Well said, teacher. Like, finally, you got one right. And Jesus says the following to him. This is a tough verse. Mark 12, 34. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Again, it sounds like a good answer. Doesn't it sound like a good answer? Jesus, like, encouraged him. You're not far from the kingdom of God. But is that your goal in life? To be not far from the kingdom of God? Like, is your goal in life, you're going to leave here right now after we finish, and you're going to go home. Is your goal to be not far from home? Congratulations. You're on the same street as your house. Have a seat. I'm saying that being not far from the kingdom is no better than being very far from the kingdom in an eternal sense, obviously. If it's a step towards, it's better. But I'm saying is the goal is not to be not far. The goal is to be in the kingdom, not to be not far from the kingdom. And what Jesus said to this man who acknowledged him, who was a good guy, who acknowledged the commandment, he said, you know what? That's very, that's very good. You're very close. I don't want to be close. So in 2017... I will not settle for being close. I will not settle for being close. I will not settle for being close. I will not settle for being close to the kingdom. I will not settle for being close to my father's bosom. I will not settle for being close to the loving arms of Christ. I will not settle for being close. I want to be in. There's a huge difference between being close to the beach and being at the beach. And I'm saying the same is true times a million of being in the kingdom and being close to the kingdom. Being close to God and being in God. My goal for 2017 is to get to the end and not to hear this, you're not far from the kingdom. Wouldn't that be scary if we get to the end of the year and we say, God, in the kingdom, and God says, you were really close. You went to a, 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 a meeting every week where people talked about the kingdom. That's really good. You had like a book on your desk which gave you all the details about the kingdom. Like, okay, that's great. But you were never inside the kingdom. Don't settle for being close. As we start this new year, these three turning points, remind me again what they are because I have short-term memory. We will turn when into now. Okay, and we will do that. Turn when into now by being all there. Number two, we will turn intentions, which we all have intentions and resolutions, whatever. We will turn intentions to actions. And we will not wait for God to remind us. We will not wait for that pancake because it will not be nice. Number three, I will turn my whole heart to Jesus in 2017, and I will not settle for being close. Last verse. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, where there is no vision of where I'm trying to get to, said another way, everyone ends up somewhere. Not everyone ends up somewhere on purpose. We can substitute some different words right here for people. 
Where there's no vision, marriages perish. Where there's no vision, friendships perish. Or they may continue, but they may be very superficial at best. Where there is no vision, life, significance, and purpose perishes. I don't want to be those people. I don't want to be those people. I don't want to be a person where I have no vision for my marriage, so my marriage collapses. No vision for my physical health, so my physical health collapses. No vision for my spiritual growth, where I'm going to be at the end of 2017, so my spiritual life goes down the toilet. I don't want to be that person. Everyone ends up somewhere, but not everyone ends up somewhere on purpose. And we will, STSA family, we will, at the end of this year, we will get, this is going to be a great year. Have I told you guys this before? 2017, this is going to be our year, okay? And if you're wondering, yes, I say that at the beginning of every year, but hey, so far, God has kept us and we're doing great here. 2017 is going to be a great year for you. It's going to be a great year for me. It's going to be a great year. 2017 is going to be a great year. We're going to get to the end of 2017 and we are going to be somewhere. We're going to be somewhere. What we are saying today, the first Sunday-ish in, in January of 2017, what we are saying today is that we are not just going to be like a leaf that's tossed up into the wind of 2017 and let's see where it ends up. We realize that we have a lot more control over where we end up. Not full control. Can't say full control, but we have a lot more control over where we end up than we realize. And we are claiming today, and we are saying today that we are going to take control and do our best to end up somewhere on purpose in every facet of life. Okay? Let's stand together and say a prayer. <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the start of another new year. Thank you, Lord, for a clean slate, fresh start chance to start with you all over again and start with so many different areas. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to get somewhere this year and that you would give us like a vision of where you want us to go in all these different aspects. Give us not just like a, a, a resolution that we say and is gone tomorrow, but like a vision or a goal or a purpose that we're driving towards throughout the year and give us the discipline and the strength and the courage to go after it, Lord, and to end up somewhere on purpose. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. <laughs>